0: to UWO Now. I'm Wendell Ray. UWO Now is the place where we discuss relevant and interesting topics with the students, staff, and faculty at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. In August and September of every year, students return to schools and campuses around the United States, and it's no different here at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, but what challenges and what opportunities are out there? for American colleges and universities, and for students. What are leaders at campuses doing to meet the needs of today's student? We'll talk about that and other things and dive into what's happening here at UWO with UWO Chancellor Andrew Levitt, who's our guest today. Thank you so much, Chancellor Levitt, for coming by and talking to us. Good to see you.
1: It's my pleasure, Wendell. Thank you for having me.
0: Let's, let's talk in general about um, some of the differences uh, between um, today's student um, and the student that we were when we went to school. I don't know how old you are. I don't want to date you or anything like that. (laughs) But uh, even the student 15 years ago is different than today's student. What are some of the differences? And and how do universities meet those challenges? Because like any uh, business with a client, and if you look at a university, a student is your client. You got to understand their, their position and what they want. How is it different? Is it different at all for leaders at universities and colleges across the United States as they try to meet the needs of today's student?
1: I think that's a great question, uh, Wendell. And it's one that I, I, I'm constantly wrestling with the answer uh, because uh, you need to know. Uh, what the nature is of the student that's in front of you. And you're right, it has changed remarkably over the years. Uh, In the interest of full disclosure, I started college 40 years ago uh, in the fall of 1982. Uh, uh, Me too. uh, As well, all right. Uh, And certainly things were different then. Uh, uh, I went to a large uh, land-grant university out west, uh, and there wasn't, the idea of student support just didn't exist uh, in those days. That if uh, you went to faculty office hours, but for the most part, they didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of resources available if you if you struggled, uh, and you know, so people would say, "Well, geez, you know, students back then were more resilient." Mm-hmm. Uh, the student success numbers at, at universities and colleges at that time were not good. Matter of fact, if you go back forty years here, um, our retention rate was much lower. All right. Our graduation rate was much lower uh, than it is today. Uh, And I think part of that was sort of it was still the Wild West where everybody was considered to be an adult. uh, And it didn't really account for the differences in backgrounds of people or their level of preparedness uh, coming in. Uh, So if you fast forward to 1980, excuse me, 1994 in January when I started as an untenured assistant professor. Things began to change in that uh, I think that colleges and universities uh, realized and understood that they had some responsibility to make sure that the students perform, particularly those who self-identified that they wanted to, you know, they wanted to to change. Uh, And so we started putting some of those systems in. Uh, Now, uh, in this day and age, uh, you have a a full suite of wraparound services, ranging from everything from obviously uh, the, the tutoring and writing centers uh, to um, some pretty significant mental health resources that we make available to students. Is it enough? Never, it will never be enough, but uh, it is. You know, people may be surprised that we have ten mental health uh, full-time counselors here uh, with full caseloads uh, here at UW-Oshkosh. Students bring their histories with them mm-hmm. when they come, and uh, it's incumbent upon us, particularly when we enter into the contract with them and that they pay tuition and they come here to learn that we do everything we can to, to, to help them learn. So oftentimes I've heard people talk about the resiliency of students that uh, what I would say pre-COVID, is that students uh, were maybe a little less resilient today than they, they were then, but our, number, our student success numbers are better. Uh, but I would also say students at the time, uh, in, in more recent years, have been more academically prepared than I, I would say I was when I left high school.
0: Is is, is that right? Now, that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, as someone who teaches and who thinks that I was a better student than anybody who ever existed, but clearly wasn't. But uh, why do you say that? How is How do you feel that students today are better prepared? Well, the numbers
1: uh, in terms of, again, if you look at a 30-year span of retention uh, and uh, graduation numbers, progression numbers, Student success numbers—you hmm. um, know—they were. I would say they were generally on a glide path of improvement over the, all those years, except when COVID hit. You know, then COVID has just been an absolute game changer and has just scrambled everything.
0: Let, let, let me let's just put a pause right there because that in itself is a show by itself. Right, that's probably. its own show. But let's yeah. talk briefly about that. Let's go back to. February of, what was it, 20? Uh, And, you know, we started seeing numbers creeping up. March creeps around. Numbers are exploding. What's going on in your office with you and the folks that you work with uh, in administration? What What were you talking about? And how are you trying to prepare for COVID?
1: We began our preparations for COVID back in December of 19. Uh, is when we started to bring together our emergency operations center wow. uh, to do that. We could why? see this coming.
0: When there had been three or four reported cases, why, what made you decide to jump in then?
1: Because it was coming in from both coasts. It was a, 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 you know a major outbreaks in other parts of the world. Uh, we knew that it was coming our way. Um, just uh, We, we uh, have a responsibility to be good stewards, which means we need to be prepared for contingencies. What people may uh, not realize or have forgotten, uh, we went through a norovirus outbreak in our residence halls just about a year before that. And if you've ever been on a cruise ship where you can't leave mm-hmm. your cabin for the obvious reason, you know what norovirus is. And uh, we had thousands of students impacted by norovirus, and so we actually had already been through this in a very limited and not nearly a serious way sure. um, in, in terms of, of managing it. So we, we kind of knew that this was going to be an issue. And, of course, at the UW system, uh, they also um, anticipated that, that this was uh, could be a very big potential problem. Uh, then um, we get into March, and uh, when the University of Washington on the West Coast closed, they were the very first institution to close, to, to go completely online. I remember that. Then the, the dominoes begin to fall. Um, uh, first the west coast, then the east coast, and then it's like I say, like this tsunami. It 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 met in the middle in the in the Midwest, and then of of course that was March of March eleventh, which was a Wednesday. Uh, I remember it well. That's when the NBA canceled the rest of its season. Yeah. Then you know it's serious mm-hmm. uh, because something like that just doesn't happen. Uh, so we knew we were in. By March thirteenth, we had declared that by the following week we'd be putting out an announcement, and we gave our our faculty about three days to um, prepare to leave the campus, to, gather the technology you needed. You're going to be at home for a while, and then I have said this many times publicly that the greatest and most gratifying moment in my professional life, as chancellor or professor or, or anything else that I have done, was watching our extraordinary faculty pivot from being completely in the classroom to being online uh, in less than two weeks with
0: having no idea how to do days before how to do it (laughs) exactly
1: and 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 here's the other extraordinary part of that no one complained everybody knew what they needed to do they knew that they knew they knew that they needed uh, this was an emergency that they needed to move quickly. Uh, from every single employee of this university it acted, I think, with great um, um, impact and with a great sense of urgency. And so it was an amazing time from that respect. Very scary time in the sense that we didn't know what was going to happen. We hadn't had a single case on campus when we vacated this campus, which seems odd now, Mm -hmm. but at the time that was the that was really sort of the direction everybody was going. And then, of course, COVID really showed up with a vengeance in September of 20 when we when we reopened um, face-to-face, but at that point, we had a much better understanding of the disease. We knew how to manage it, uh, and then that, of course, is its own show, is uh, yeah. that fall of, of managing uh, COVID cases on campus with isolation residence halls and and trying to keep people as safe as possible and at the same time, try to have some sense of normalcy.
0: Well, we have now come to a point where uh, we're still getting COVID cases, um, but we started this discussion about COVID and its impact on uh, students and the universities and, and, and so forth. Now, two years later, do we know enough to say to be able to evaluate that period, and what do you think was the impact of COVID here and, and across the United States, as far as colleges and universities are concerned?
1: Well, I think it broke a lot of norms, and some of those norms probably needed to be broken, but, <laughs> yeah. but other norms, uh, you know, not so much. Uh, my biggest concern uh, is the uh, the learning gaps that opened up, certainly with our own university students, uh, uh, because the way that we went completely online isn't necessarily consistent with the best practices of an online course. You know, you have to remember, uh, it was about just being remote. And, and so these were not courses that were designed with online pedagogy in mind. Uh, then you look at the right. K-12 system. And uh, that's really where the long-term impact is going to be because uh, you had, um, I have grandchildren uh, that down in, in Georgia who were in school at that time? Uh, one was in first grade, the other was in kindergarten. And having a kindergarten student on on a computer, <laughs>
0: hey, I remember my yeah. I do not mean to interrupt you. But yeah. I remember my sister. My niece was uh, in the first grade, and she said, "God bless that 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 teacher," because. All those students are doing when the, when the cameras come on and
1: saying, hey, Johnny,
0: hey, Johnny. And there's little to no instruction going on. It's hard. It's like herding cats, yeah. you know,
1: trying to figure out how to It, to, it to was teach. impossible. Yeah. It was impossible in, in, in many ways. And um, I, I'm married to a nurse, and um, nurses get a lot of credit, and rightfully so, from how they responded to uh, COVID. But I'll tell you, a group that does not get enough credit, and that is K-12 teachers, mm-hmm. uh, what they had to endure and how they tried to keep it going. In many cases, they were successful in doing so. But it's created learning gaps. And those learning gaps are a wave, if you will, that's rolling uh, through the grades up. And you know, I'm a big fan of the United Way, and I, I can give this plug now. I hope everybody contributes to the Oshkosh area United Way campaign. Uh, and United Way has done many studies where they show that uh, by the third grade, you switch from learning to read to read to learn. And if you don't learn to read, you can't read to learn. And so there's a lot of kids in that period of time, maybe who have deficiencies now, that we really need to pay some attention to. And they do roll into college and they will eventually. You know, so we're getting a, a, a less prepared student, if you will, coming into college. Uh, and so it's our responsibility to meet students where they're at and, and to try to close those gaps.
0: You're listening to UWO Now. I'm Wendell Ray, and I'm talking today with University of Wisconsin Oshkosh Chancellor Andrew Levitt, talking about the challenges faced by many colleges and universities across the country. And we'll get into some specifics here at UWO and what some of the plans are for this semester and and beyond as we continue our conversation here today. Um, In August, uh, President Biden Announced that he was going to uh, implement uh, some cuts on student debt, make some decisions about what people would owe, what they had to pay back. Some yays and nays out there. What what from a university standpoint can you talk to us about today about student
1: debt? Great subject. Um, student debt in in my mind is a is a uh, it, it can be a largely misunderstood uh, um, subject so I'm always happy to speak about it and I, I just I want to speak with a few facts these numbers are two years old it's been that long since I've really looked carefully at the UWO numbers so I want to qualify that uh, but uh, about 65% of our students take out student loans and about 35% do not so it's not ubiquitous not everybody takes out a student loan so okay. 65% that's a big number but it, nevertheless in my mind student loans are a tool uh, that make it possible for uh, for students and families to invest in their students education uh, and it like it's uh, you're making you're obviously taking from the future in order to make the possibility true now and then you have to pay it back uh, our students uh, uh, have a fairly a very low default rate, about three percent or so the last time i had checked uh, that's how many of our students are in default within three years of graduating from from college Uh, where the student loan problem um, is a problem here and those students who are in default tend to be students who come to college and don't finish Uh, most of them of course will leave um, after their first year uh, and they have taken out student debt and then they have neither the means nor really the incentive to try to pay it back Hmm. so in this country the average student loan in default is around $10,000. And that's the reason why the, that number, uh, okay. President Biden's number is is relevant. Uh, that'll take care of, it'll retire the debt of a half of the people who are in default, uh, the 10,000. Uh, so here um, at Oshkosh, uh, you know, affordability is, is obviously a big issue. Um, Wisconsin just published a study, UW-Wisconsin, that that suggests that we are uh, the most affordable uh, education in in the Midwest. Uh, If people really want to know the numbers, uh, here at UW-Oshkosh, for a year's worth of tuition is (laughs) $6,400. It's been frozen for almost a decade uh, since uh, since 2012. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know that. $6,400 is our tuition. That's about what I paid at IU, yeah, a in long time ago. Yeah, yeah a long ahead. time ago. Uh, and so then there are other other expenses in, in, in the cost of attendance. So to be to be totally open, so you have uh, a book allowance of about a thousand dollars. Okay. Um, the, the the segregated fees this is the fees the students pay for services on campus, so particularly services they vote on, that they they run. Uh, it's approximately twelve hundred twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, then you've got um, in in that same budget you've got. A twenty-six hundred dollar allowance because we know students need to buy stuff, uh, and this is stuff that they would buy, and then approximately seventy-eight hundred dollars for room and board. And this is an annual uh, of cost of attendance. So it costs just about twenty thousand dollars a year in that cost of of, of of attendance budget to go to UW-Oshkosh, and then you look at how do you assemble the the resources to you know to pay for that, and and that's the reason why everyone must needs to and must fill out the FAFSA that's the federal um, student aid uh, application that qualifies you for all sorts of federal dollars and it's amazing now students are not doing that mm. they're not filling it out and so they're doing why we honest I gotta be honest I do not know why a part of it of course you have to have your your parents participate in that um, okay. you have to be able to divulge family and um, you know financial information. And there may be, may be issues behind that. Uh, but that's very important because that gives you, el- makes you eligible for the Pell Grant if yeah. you have a, a low enough expected family contribution. So uh, student loans are important because they close the gap, uh, a, a lot of gaps. And interestingly enough, the, the maximum amount you can borrow in four years here at UW Oshkosh through the Federal Guaranteed Student Loan Program is about $36,000. That's it. So if a student accrues more than $36,000 of debt, what that tells me is that they they consumed what was available in the uh, federal system, and then they went out to a bank or to some other lending agency, and they borrowed money on top of that. And so when someone has $78,000 of student debt, um, that's outside of the normal uh, guaranteed student loan program. That and we're talking about that we for four-year four degree. For four-year degree, yeah. And then it becomes a matter of choice. Uh, The reason why we have comprehensive institutions like Whitewater, like Oshkosh, like La Crosse, Green Bay, is because they offer a very affordable, um, if you have the money, a very affordable um, option when you compare us to private schools. Mm -hmm. In private schools, uh, you tend to be very high tuition, high discount, uh, and, uh, and offer big scholarships. But at the end of the day, it's what's the size of the check you're writing for your education. So after all of the, you know, the, our discount price, if you will, with, uh, for, in terms of after all the aid is, is, um, uh, is applied, is much lower than that
0: $20,000. you are listening to UWO Now. I'm Wendell Ray, and we're talking today with UWO Chancellor Andrew Levin. We'll be back in just a second.